Welcome to Season 3, Episode 2. I have a huge show for you. In fact, this is just going to be Part 1. We are going to sit down with Nathan Isaac. He is the host of the Penny Royal Podcast. Um, His podcast is about the strange, high strangeness in a certain area of Kentucky uh, called the Penny Royal. And uh, it makes up quite a few towns, including Hellier, which if any of you have seen the documentary Hellier, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, you should definitely go and see that, as well as for sure going over to Nathan's uh, podcast, Penny Royal, and downloading that. So stop what you're doing, go listen to Penny Royal, because you'll get so much more out of the show if you have listened to Penny Royal. Uh, right now, there's just one season. Um, I'm not sure how many episodes, maybe 10, something like that. Um, they're not terrible. They're about an hour apiece, give or take. And uh, it has to do with high strangeness in a certain area of Kentucky. And if you'll probably read it in the show notes. But it covers a wide range of bizarre things, from worship of strange gods, alleged human sacrifice, child sacrifice, ritual child abuse, dark cults lurking in caves, goblins, UFOs, ex-Nazis, synchronicities, uh, geo-anomalies, political figures that you have heard of, um, alphabet agencies, the Contras, the mob, and drug cartels. So what is going on in Kentucky? I have a incredible four-hour conversation with Nathan, and I I was blown away by the podcast, which is why I had to have him on the show. And I am even more blown away after talking to him for this show and talking to him off the air about some things that can't be put out there quite yet. 
uh, in the second part two, in the second episode of this, we'll talk more about what's coming up for his second season for his podcast and what's been going with on with him since finishing the first season. So without further ado, let's uh, let me shut up because I am not the interesting one here. And uh, let's get talking to Nathan. So I'll be back after the break. Hey everyone, I am here with Nathan Isaac. He is the host of the Penny Royal podcast, and uh, he's going to talk to us tonight about some incredibly high strangeness in Kentucky. And I, I don't even think high strangeness alone covers the, the situation, because just to uh, kind of throw some things out there, we have worship of strange gods, alleged human sacrifice. Ritual child abuse, uh, dark cults and caves, goblins, UFOs, synchronicities, geo-anomalies, political figures, alphabet agencies, possibly the Contras, uh, the mob, drug cartels, you name it. What is going on in Kentucky? (laughs) Oh, man. I don't know. Some weird stuff. (laughs) (laughs) No doubt. It is funny. It, it is funny when you list out all the stuff, though. I mean, it, it's uh, it, <laughs> they're, they're, like I was saying earlier, you know, before we got on here, uh, there's a lot of stuff, you know, in the second season. That, you know, I just couldn't put it in there because there's, there's there's so much strangeness here that it sort of defies. It just defies belief, man. I mean, it's it's it does. it's. It's just, it's such a hot spot. I was telling someone the other day about this. I was just saying that, you know, if you're looking for a hot spot, this is a hot spot. Um, if there ever was just, one. If there right. were ever. Right. And and the, the thing about all of these stories, too, and this place is that, um, you know, I always say this to people, too, is that a lot of this is verifiable. You know, the, yeah. the stuff that you're like, there's no way that's true. It's like, well, there's. Tons of newspaper articles about it. Yeah, you know? yeah. and it, it's blatantly out there, but yet not. Right. But yeah, it, people just don't know about it, you know? No, and it's like a bait. You know, you go in there, and then one thing leads to another, and the synchronicities, and it's uh, it's incredible. And I, I'm going to start at a weird place. I'm going to start with the Kentucky Anomaly, because maybe it all begins there anyway. So what is yeah. the Kentucky Anomaly? Yeah, so it's a it's a perfect place to start, you know. Uh, um, I I do think that lays the groundwork for a lot of what's happening oh, here, yeah. but um, but definitely the the Kentucky anomaly is what NASA refers to as the largest spike of geomagnetic uh, field strength uh, coming out of the Earth uh, in the Western Hemisphere, and <laughs> of all the places that it centers on, you know, when you when you overlay the map. On Kentucky, um, it centers on Pulaski County, and um, you know this is this is one of those strange things where I was looking at Sedona and the stories that Sedona was this hotspot for UFO activity, yeah. and 
and, and I had read that, that it was a, a place where there was this spike of geomagnetic energy. And plus that it had quartz, this large, you know, uh, deposit of quartz beneath it. Sure. And, and so, you know, you, you can, you can get on NASA's website, you can get on uh, the European Space Agency's website and download these maps. Um, they're KMZ files and you can just drop them on the, to Google Earth. But I pulled those files and some other files, and when you look at them, there's three major hot spots or major spikes in the United States. And one's in southern Alaska, one is in Sedona, and the other one is in the southeastern United States. And when you zoom all the way in, there it is. You know, it's it's Pulaski County. And and I already knew about that because I was I was looking at the possibility that the spike in geomagnetic energy and the quartz, it creates something that's called the, the piezoelectric effect, right? Oh, yeah. And so, you know, if you if you hit a piece of quartz with a really powerful magnetic field or geomagnetic field, it'll create this effect. And I was wondering if that's why there was such a, a large number of UFO sightings in Sedona, because, you know, was the piezoelectric effect, was this intense mag geomagnetic field affecting affecting people's brains so that they saw what sure. they were foes sure and you know and it, and it makes sense you know and it, it definitely you know yeah i mean it, you know we know that magnetic fields affect people's brains most definitely right? yeah so um when i actually moved down here um, with my wife, she's from here originally. I'm from Eastern Kentucky, the Appalachian mountains. Sure. And, um, yeah, so when we moved down here, I started to hear stories about, um, you know, these crazy murders here in town. But, but really when we started looking at Penny Royal deeper, we found this long history of violence in Somerset. And knowing what I knew about the Kentucky anomaly, that made me wonder, is it possible that the intense geomagnetic field is causing people to not just see UFOs and, and see weird spatial distortions and, and various things like that, or even have perceptual dis distortions, but was it causing people to be more violent? Right. And, I, and it, it, it's still one of those things that I, I do think that, that it is affecting people. When you look at some of the maps, too, that are published by NASA, this area, right in the center of the Kentucky Anomaly, it's so intense, the geomagnetic field is, that it changes the surface gravity. And they actually wow. demark that, right? And and I, I don't know what the significance of that is. It's not like you can, you know, shit doesn't float here. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but, but it's like, but, but well, you know, one thing, though, the, that I, I don't talk about this in, in the first season, but a lot of people that I interviewed – and, you know, we have, you know, hundreds of hours of interviews with people that just didn't make it in the show. But I was collecting stories. Um, one of the things I, I picked up from a lot of people was that they, you know, if you ask them, well, has anything strange happened, right? They'll mention that, and this is a particular story, that, that they saw something float across the room from like a shelf and then mm -hmm. drop to the ground. Oh wow! And that's it. That's it, though. They don't have any other story. Their house isn't yeah. haunted. There was no other activity. It's just this one random thing huh. that they're like, "Well, now that you're asking me, this happened in my house, right?" <laughs> right. Just things floating and <laughs> dropping to the floor. Yeah. Normal yeah. day in Somerset. Right. But just one time, you know, just, yeah. just one time, so that they kind of question, did it even happen, right? 
But if you think about that this intense geomagnetic field might warp space, right? Right. Now, is it possible that they're not experiencing, you know, uh, poltergeist activity? It's literally a spatial distortion of some right. sort. Right. Um, so, you know, those were all things that kind of laid the groundwork for, you know, this idea. Is it also, is the Kentucky anomaly also drawing people and things here in for, a weird way? For reasons we can only guess. Right. You know, like, hmm, that is fascinating. Because you, you see people drawn to these areas like Sedona. And I mean, people are drawn there and things like this, but yet Somerset seems darker than Sedona. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you know yeah. that's a contrast too. You know, when you when you yeah. look at Sedona, it is it's it's a place where there's like healing, you know, and and a lot of uh, use of the vortexes and you know. Right. And I love Sedona. You know, we we went to Sedona um, about three years ago, and and I've always wanted to go because of this. And it was fantastic, man. It was just, it was fascinating. My, uh, my wife's a yoga teacher, so she, you know, oh, that's did some, great. Yeah. yeah. So she, the vortex yoga stuff and the portals and, you know, I mean, it was just fun. You know, she's not like into that stuff that way. Yeah, it's, a neat, it was, it's a neat town. I was out there in the mid nineties and, uh, it was beautiful, beautiful place to explore. And I got flipped off by Yanni. So, I mean, that was the highlight no, of my trip, which I'll, really? I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that one later. Uh, that's great, man. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, it, that was, you know, Sedona too. I think back in the '90s was definitely a lot more untouched than it is now. You know, it's such a a tourist spot. You know, right, uh, right. Now when you go, there's parking lots everywhere, and um, you know, everybody's kind of in on it. You know? Yeah, but, it, uh, it really could just be how that energy per se is utilized. You know, you just right. happen to have it being utilized for a seemingly positive new agey happy thing in Sedona. But yet when maybe when people aren't realizing there's an energy there, it just kind of is it's chaos and affecting people. Like you said, it could be affecting the, the mental health issue, which seems to be out of control in, in that area as well as the violence. So that's, it's fascinating to, just be able to think that maybe that's going on. Maybe there is this, this, uh, this energy, you know, along with the quartz and electromagnetic and everything, just affecting the way people think. And, and there's also, you know, in this place, you know, on top of that, this idea of, you know, the genius loci, the the spirit of the landscape, right? Yeah. And you wonder too if if that amount of of energy, that geomagnetic energy, isn't infusing this place um, with, you know, whatever people are putting out, it's really charging it up, right? Yeah. And and there, since there has been this, you know, Somerset is little Queen City, you know, with and Queen City, Cincinnati. There's a major connection between mm-hmm. the two, right? And and there's the railroad. That goes from Cincinnati to Somerset. It's been here since the 1860s, I think. And uh, that railroad, if you if you die on the railroad here in Somerset, it's declared a murder in Cincinnati, right? You know, what I'm saying if you're murdered on the tra- train tracks here, it, they have an easement all the way down. To huh. us. Yeah, which is weird. That is um, weird. 
so there's been a flow of people here for a very long time. And Highway 39 is, uh, you know, Dan Dutton was the one that pointed this out to me. And then I, I found it on maps and he was absolutely right that um, Highway 39, where a lot of this weirdness is concentrated. You know, there's a there's a couple places in the area that are um, areas that just are undeniably weird. And Highway 39 is one of them. And yeah. and that's where his farm is. And um, it was a part of the Great Warrior Way. So like you know there were those buffalo traces where right. uh, Native Americans would would follow the buffalo. So th- that road is one of the oldest roads, oldest trails in America's you know history, you know in North American history. And so there was there's been a flow of people and a flow of ideas and emotions and events and actions, you know, and and this sort of you know energy for thousands of years. And so is that part of it? Has that infused itself somehow because of the Kentucky anomaly? They don't know what causes it. NASA right. has absolutely no idea. So, um, you know, who knows if if somehow it does, you know, thin the veil here or, you know, allow things to pass over more right. easily, you know. Um, Highway 39 also has um, one of the Adena mounds, one of the oh, – right, right. Ancient earthworks, right? And and those are associated with um, you know por- portal activity, you know, with with sightings of alien big cats and dogmen and Sasquatch and UFOs. Mm. They cluster around, especially you know, look at England, you know, right. ancient earthworks are always clusters of these things. There there are no, <laughs> it's an island. There are no big cats, especially like oh, big no. black, right? You know? But you've got the story of the Beast of Exmoor. Oh yeah, you know? and so. You know, is that one of those things? You know, all these people seeing things up Highway 39 near this, where this mound is. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I just, it, it's it's strange. You know, and and that's just like that's the groundwork of the world. Oh yes. Yeah. You know, it's like the bedrock, and then all this other stuff is just layer upon layer on top of that. And along with um, those, oh, I'm so sorry, Nathan. No, said, no. along with those groundworks. There were a couple tribes in that area that really are kind of still enigmas to us, aren't there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the the Adena and the Hopewell yes. are the are the ones that were building these earthworks, and um, yeah, I mean they're they're a mystery to um, you know uh, paleontologists and researchers here in North America that you know we don't know um, much about their cultures. I mean there are a lot of stories about giants in Kentucky, right? Uh, and, and, and that some of these earthworks contain giants. Obviously, there's the, the conspiracy theory that the Smithsonian is uh, snatching all of these uh, <laughs> remains. Of course which they I, are. Yeah, it's a, a fascinating sort of take on it. But um, but definitely, you know, regardless of that, these groups did exist, and um, they did have a culture that we don't really know very much about. But they built these earthworks, um, for some purpose, and you know the um, the Snake Mound up in mm-hmm. Ohio, uh, that's near Cincinnati, um, that has a quartz crystal in its head, and it was, uh, which I think is fascinating. Yeah, know, it is. You know that there was this flying snake creature um, in the underworld that had a piece of quartz in its head, and then we have all of these stories about uh, 
the quartz. Oh, and, and another thing, too, is that um, that they found here were these ingots um, or these, like, pendants um, that have jaguars on them. But there are no jaguars in North America. I'm... But there was a, a, a jaguar cult. Um, oh. and. And they don't know if I can't remember if Dan told me that it was if they think it was the Adena and the Hopewell or if it was the the Cherokee um, that were that were uh, practicing that and and the, the Cherokee are heavily tied into all of this too, um, um, especially you know down into Tennessee you know we're we're in Lower Central Kentucky and about an hour from the state line with Tennessee and that's where. Um, the Big South Fork um, forest area is, um, and then we're we're bordered on the east by um, the uh, Daniel Boone National Forest. And oh, see yes. here, here's a strange the strange thing about the Daniel Boone National Forest is there's this story that um, Peter Lavenda uh, tells in his Sinister Forces, and um, and, and he talks about Kenneth Grant. And oh, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Kenneth Grant was uh, Aleister Crowley's secretary, you know, eventually became uh, one of the leaders of the you know, heads of the OTO, you know, that, right. that Crowley was, you know, founder of. And um, Kenneth Grant believed that there was this thing called the Cincinnati Vortex, that the Adena or the Hopewell or, or the Cherokee, someone had, had opened up um, a rift to the night side, right? And they had never closed it. And that has allowed all of these things to spill into our world, you know, including like the Mothman, you know, you could, you know, because it, it extends sort of from Cincinnati down in, into the um, Daniel Boone National Forest, right? Right where right. we are. And, um, and that, see, that was a weird thing that we, we discovered too is that there were lots of groups coming to magic practi- practitioners, you know, ceremonial magicians mm-hmm. that were coming to Somerset from Cincinnati. And Cincinnati has this very long history with magic. Yeah, yeah. Which is, you know, that's an unexpected thing. You know, you just don't... It, you know, it, it, yeah, you don't associate Kentucky, you know, right off the bat with, uh, with ceremonial magic or those kind of groups. No, yeah. You know, and... and also, uh, you know, like 45 minutes east of here, however, just a little ways on the other side of the Daniel Boone National Forest is Whitesburg. And mm. that's where um, um, Wicca, you know, was was reborn in 19, I think it was like 1971, 1972, right. um, a practitioner named Lady Sheba. Oh, yes. Um you know, she put she published the Book of Shadows and kind of put you know that that kind of turned Wicca on its head the, versus Gardnerian Wicca, you know. Right, right, which is a that's a talk all itself and still traces right. back to Crowley. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and and so like that's just forty five minutes east of here, but up in Cincinnati, you know, in southern Ohio, right on right on the river with Kentucky, there were hundreds of covens in the seventies, hmm. but we found out that there was a, a group called the Bait Cabal. Um, that were the ceremonial magicians, and they were coming. A lot of people come from uh, southern Ohio or Cincinnati to vacation here in Pulaski County. Um, we're, we're right, you know, Somerset's right on the um, the shores of Lake Cumberland, which at one point was the largest man-made lake east of the Mississippi River, right? Right, and right. So, 
So in the 70s, it was like um, uh, the movie Dirty Dancing, you know, where they're yeah. at the the the, the um, lake tourist sort of thing, you know, right? The whole Catskills and yeah, it, 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 that's really what it was. It was the heyday of that here in the 70s, and so a lot of people were coming down from Ohio, and in this area of the county where um, the cave systems are um, near the Sloan's Valley Cave System, which is the 13th largest in in the U.S. There were these groups, um, and one was called the Bait Cabal, and that's where they were founded by um, a group from New York called the Conquering Child, and and they had a publishing company, and they published this journal called the Cincinnati Journal of Ceremonial Magic. Okay. And and, and so they were led by a, a woman named Maggie Ingalls, who went by the name Nima, and she had channeled. Um, this book of Mayotte, this Mayotian magic, right? And they were part of uh, Kenneth. The reason I brought Kenneth Grant is they were part of his Typhonian order, right? Ah, uh, okay. So, sure. That's it, the tunnels of Set, you know, all of that kind oh, of yeah. uh, subterranean stuff. And, and so he was very fond of Nima uh, because, you know, their magic, you know, was this whole new sort of. Um, powerful magic, but they were coming to Pulaski County, coming to this area and performing these like time magic rituals. And, and mm-hmm. their, their symbol is the bee and a vulture. And, and I found out that there was a group, you know, before I even found out about the bait cabal, I had interviewed people that told me stories of a structure in that area called the beehive. That's what they referred to it as. Okay. And it was this weird structure built by, a strange architect from Cincinnati and it had a telescoping part in the roof that would like open up and then it had a, a stone hearth in the center of it and then these cubby holes around the walls that people could sleep in, right? Like a hired. Right? And and there were groups that were coming there and performing uh, things in circles, sky clad, you know, naked. Right. But I, multiple people that had no idea about magic or people being sky clad, they just remembered or had stories about people in the seventies and eighties coming from Cincinnati, standing in circles naked and mm. saying weird words. Right. And right. then they, they kept saying, well, it was this place out there called the beehive. It's still there today. Right. It's still standing. And then I found out that it was this bait cabal that was coming down here. Right. And, and so, you know, that's a strange thing. Were they coming here because of the Kentucky anomaly? Did they sense that, you know, that power? But, you know, NASA's been putting this stuff out since I think, oh, man, I think it was like 1965 yeah, that, sure. they, that they actually started publishing stuff about the Kentucky anomaly. So, you know, did they know? Did somebody read that? Or did they just sense that there was something emanating from this area and that, and that drew people here? Um yeah, that's really One of the, really the question. You know, it's so many people like that with this that kind of out of society sort of bent. Whether it's ceremonial ceremonial magicians or paranormal investigators that just kind of get there whether they even know they're going to go to that area of Kentucky, they're just drawn to it. And I I think that's one of the many fascinating things about this is just how it's uh, it's they always say it's like you know it's not the destination it's the journey, and you see that a lot in here. It's just once you get there, things just start unfolding. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, in and in, in ways that you couldn't possibly imagine. Oh yeah. 
That's what's so crazy. Ah, you know, the other thing too, uh, I didn't mention this, in, I don't think in the first season, but, um, you know, the, the whole intersection, which I'm sure we'll talk about of like help with Hellier, right? Yeah. Um, and, and that the woman that they had found, um, who was named Amy and she was telling yes. them that there was a cult of the green man located here, you know, um, and this whole thing, this word was outside of the cult that we were sort of chasing down. Um, Later, one of the craziest things that I found was that there is a green man cult here mm. in Somerset, right? right? And I found out that um, I was I was looking up this, you know, looking up stuff on Sunernos, you know, the Horn God and um, the, you know the green man, and I find out that in I think it was 1954. It was right after World War II in San Francisco, um, a group called the Guadonic Order was founded. Oh, wow. Now, that one I have not heard of. Yeah, so the Guadonic Order um, is they're – they're a group uh, formed from um, uh, Welsh magicians, right? Oh, weird and, and interesting. I'll come back to that. Yeah, so so it's the uh, – you know, the whole Tuatha de Danane. Um, yeah. The, People that sort of founded, uh, you know, Ireland and, and there's stories with that. So anyway, um, but they, they call, you know, the, they're called widons or like scientists, but it's really like a, a witch, right? And a magic practitioner. So th- this group was founded, um, in, uh, I think San Francisco it was like 1954. Well, in 2004, they moved their international headquarters. To guess where, of all places, Somerset, Kentucky. <laughs> of course. Right? And this is all online. They've got a, yeah. you know, a page about, about the history of the, uh, of the group. And, uh, so, so then you've got this, this woman who's emailing, you know, Greg Newkirk and, and about that there's a green man cult and the Big South Fork and, you know, and that, that this stuff's going on. It turns out there is a group that worships Sunernos, the horn god, Pan. Hmm. Green man, you know this right. this nature thing. So it's like, did she know someone that was affiliated? You know, th- these right. people are—they're th- not practicing child sacrifice. You know what I mean? They're not no. doing anything fairy. No. It's just a group of nature-loving, you know, magical practitioners. Right, you know? so, right, right. But from say, you know, if you were, you know, I don't, you know, I'm not saying she was on drugs or anything, but if you were on drugs or you know whatever was going on. Um, or even looking at it from a, uh, a very conservative, say, Christian angle, right? right? Um, these are devil worshippers. Oh, know? yeah, these, right, right, of course. You know, these people are summoning demons and things, you know? And um, so, uh, you know, to me, that that was weird, finding that part. You know, you don't go, you go looking to see if there's a green man cult here, and you're like, well, there was one. Well, there was, right. And that, the synchronicities... Of the thing, because even if it's like, all right, there is a green man cult. Maybe it's not the one of that you know Amy was talking about. Maybe it was, but the fact that, boom, there they are. There is one, and right. it's the synchronicities just never stop. And you know, finding out that the Bait Cabal was here, finding out that the Guidonic Order was here, you know, finding out all this stuff about the Wiccan groups, and and then. Um, not to, hopefully it's all right if I jump around with this oh, stuff. Oh, absolutely. Just There's so much. You have to. <laughs> There's so much. It's so much, man. It's, it is so much. Um, but it, but it's like the, you know, 
the story about Oakwood, the the mental health facility. You know, oh, which, my, that that's where I, I I remember I was I was heading to a destination. I get to the destination, I'm like, it can wait. <laughs> like I had to hear the rest of that episode because it's so crazy. Man, that that was one of those things too, where you know I. I'm researching the area, gathering all these stories and interviewing people. And, 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 you know, it's not with like a a particular, like I'm not going after like paranormal stories, you know, I'm I'm definitely looking for interesting stories and and the folklore, you know, I want to know the, you know, that was the tagline for the show, which is absolutely the the heart of the project is, you know, the magic and mystery of place. Place. Yeah. How is it that, you know, people affect a place and how does the place affect those people? And, and this is what is like the best place in the world to study that because definitely there are physical anomalies that are affecting people, but also there are these extremely strange people, right? These actors that are doing all of these wild things independently of each other that are affecting this place also. And um, but one of the craziest things, because you're like, why are all of these magic groups here? Right. Why are all of these, you know, they're converging here. And those are just the ones I know about. Right. Of course. Some that I don't. And so when we, you know, I'd found out about, you know, maybe we'll go to the murders later, but there were some extremely disturbing murders that happened here. Dateline came and covered. They did a special on it. Um, they can't, you know, they were here, uh, 2019 because it was the 25th anniversary. And, and, and it's, it's definitely one of those things that like shook the town when it, when it happened in 94. Yeah. But those, you know, those murders spawned a bunch of rumors in town that worked into this whole story of, of a cult. And, and, and that was part, you know, part of the entry point for researching a lot of this stuff. But knowing that stuff, and then knowing about finding out, you know, about the Kentucky anomaly. So it's like there are these extremely strange, crazy murders here. There are all these stories of a cult. Then the Kentucky anomaly stuff. Then Hellier intersects with our right. story, you know, and, and, and me working with Dan Dutton and the whole pan element. Right. The pan Which element was, is crazy. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then <laughs> and then I, then we found the Guterma stuff, which I want to talk about in a second. Yeah. And. And I was like, well, this is absolutely incredible. And I thought, there's nothing else. There's, there's, it's impossible that we could find. <laughs> and it's just the surface. And then the Oakwood stuff. You know, it's yes. like we're interviewing uh, Rod Zimmerman. You know, he's a DJ. He was a DJ here in town. Um, and he, he's a, he collects all these stories. He's the, he's the town historian, basically, the de facto. Mm-hmm. And, and I learned a lot of stories from him, but that was, you know, he, I'm interviewing him and he's like, well, my, my father was the guy, or it was a stepdad that, that was the guy that, um, took over at this, exp- and it was an experimental health or mental health facility yeah. here that was constructed in 1973 that, uh, was supposed to change the way that mental health was viewed in America, right? And again, here was Dateline. <laughs> Dateline yeah. has been to town quite a few times, right? And it's like, they come, they shoot this TV show at this place, and before they can even air the show in 1973, 
six weeks after this place is opened, a letter goes out to the uh, Kentucky Health Commissioner and the governor and like the head of the state police and then the local mayor and the sheriff here alleging that there is a witch cult practicing magic and yeah. doing seances in the tunnels underneath this experimental mental health facility and that they're burning symbols into the backs of some of the residents, right? That's and crazy. <laughs> yeah. And there are tons of news articles about this. That's what's crazy, this particular story. But, you know, I'm talking to Rod Zimmerman, interviewing him about the history of the town, and then he breaks this out. That, well, yeah, my, you know, I think it was his stepdad that was, was the one that took over. Like, after they fired everybody because of this investigation, um, you know, he steps in and, and had to, like, clean up the mess and, and, so he's telling me some of this, and it's like, what in the world's going on there, right? So, so then it had this like Stranger Things bent to it, and the story. But see that story there again is this weird reverberation of a witch cult, right. of magic being performed in tunnels, this subterranean element, and it's right. and it's woven throughout this story. Different, you know, that's the thing about all of these things. I think a lot of people might hear this stuff and say, well, all of this has to be connected, right? Yeah. But, but I don't think it is. I think that's the even stranger thing is that there is this structure of events that has happened and is happening here in this space that isn't connected, but is connected in a weird way, right? It's it's sure. almost that, it's almost that it's connected through the place rather than being directly exactly. Connected. Um, and but but that thing, and then Dan, you know, I'm talking to Dan Dutton, you know, who features heavily in the show, um, and who I've I've worked a lot with. We're still you know working on the Fawn film um, about Pan and his right. opera. Um, you know, I'm mentioning Oakwood to him, and then he busts out with the, that. That's one of my favorite pieces of audio in the first season. Is that Dan? You know, it's that's the end of the seventh episode that I, I bring up Oakwood, and he's like, "I've got an Oakwood story for you." Ooh. And then he tells me about, you know, there the, this person that he knew that worked there was taking care. There, Oakwood is divided into cottages. Right? Okay, there's like. There's 24 cottages. And if you look at Oakwood from Google Maps, right, it looks like a magical sigil. It is huh. the strangest looking place that you, like, just pull it up, look up Oakwood uh, Health Facility, Somerset, Kentucky, and look at it. I mean, it, it is absolutely strange. And so, and it was designed purposefully that way by a really famous artist, um, a graphic designer named Malcolm Greer. Okay. And he, he has designed some of the most famous corporate logos in history. And he's from Somerset, Kentucky, right? And, right. And so he helps to, you know, shape this place. But Dan goes there, Dan Dutton, and, and they want him to teach art to these special, um, special, uh, uh, residents that right. that live in this one particular cottage. And I'd I'd heard about this. I didn't mention this to Dan, but I'd heard from Rod that, you know, most of the cottages it's low functioning uh, residents, right? Right. That need health care. But one of the cottages was for savants. 
for these very high functioning, ultra high functioning residents. And, and that's what I, where I'd heard that the, the symbols were burned onto their bodies, right? Of this one particular cottage. And so again, a lot of this stuff you know, comes from, um, the newspaper, right? But also, you know, interviewing Rod and, and other people that have, that have worked there near these stories. But, um, and the place has changed. This is when it was owned by, um, by the state, right? You know, the state okay. had done. Now it's owned by a private company and there's no connection to this. You know, all the stuff, everything I'm referencing right now isn't all historical record, you know, the newspaper articles and stuff like that. So I definitely don't want the current owners to take offense. <laughs> right, right. And I, I have yeah. pulled it up and it looks like a giant serpent mound. I think I Isn't right it? that is even with like a triangular head and then a weird, almost yes, ratcheted shaker tail in the back. And it was supposed to be built apparently in the out West in the desert, oh. but they, they Sedona. didn't change design. Right. So, so the buildings are actually buried into the ground oh, because wow. it was supposed to withstand high winds on a desert plain. And so it's still so like bizarre. that. It's, yeah, man. A, a, a friend of mine who cleans, who at, at the time he, that this happened to him, he cleaned, win, cleans wind, windows or it was like a window clean place. Mm-hmm. And Oakwood has a lot of windows and a lot of glass. And so he was in the main lobby area and he had climbed up and he and another guy both reported this, that while they were up there, uh, touching the, the the metal stresses right that they felt this surge of buzzing electrical energy like they felt like they were being shocked the entire time they were up and and so i thought that was that didn't make it into the show but i you know i I did some interviews with some people about that too but anyway but but you know dan dutton is brought there to paint uh with these high functioning residents and when they take him back there he doesn't remember. He's telling me the story, and as he gets to the part where he tells me what happened, he suddenly realizes that that part of his memory is gone. And the next thing he remembers is being driven back to his farm, right? And it's like oh. he doesn't know what happened. He knew that they were supposed to be these. The woman that brought in there told him, and he thought she was just, you know, some hippie lady, right? Right. Um, that. They were, um, there were like nine of them, and that they were inhabited by extra-dimensional intelligences that were trying to save humanity or communicate with humanity and and huh. tell us how to to save ourselves. And he was like, "Well, this is crazy, you know." <laughs> yeah, right, right. So he he goes, and then he doesn't remember what happens. But but when he goes back to his farm, that's the day. That he had the inspiration for all of what eventually would become the secret commonwealth and all of these other works of his. Right. right. So it's like, did something happen that day that set some of these things in motion? Sure. Right. But I don't know. I mean, again, it's like, what in the world? Like that by itself is is, is this crazy yeah, story? It's, it's, yeah. Because uh, then you start wondering: is you know, what are the experiments going on at? at Oakwood. What's going on? Are there really tunnels at Oakwood? Are there people really doing rituals at Oakwood? What is going on? Yeah. 
So that definitely had to spur you on even further. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm still trying to get uh, from FOIA requests, trying to get documents from that time period because no one's ever seen the original letter that was referenced in the newspaper articles. Right. You can infer what it says, right? They go point by point, so you can kind of tell. They they literally say witch cult in the um, in the newspaper articles, but it's like, was it a witch cult or that's just what they referred to it as? You know, right? Because I mean? that's the closest thing, you know, that yeah. they could they could conceptualize to call it. Now, was there ever any uh, military involvement with Oakwood? No, and and that was one of the things that we tried to run down. That there is a weird um, U.S. Transportation Department contract at the time for like eight hundred thousand mm-hmm. um, dollars. But you know, is it for public transportation for the residents? I don't know. It, but it is a weird government contract that they got. Right. Uh, I think. 73. The, one of the things we tried to run down too was the, we know that based on some of the articles, you know, they describe, um, oh, some of the activities of the director. Um, I, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but he was, he was cited, um, by the state for not, uh, behaving and dressing professionally. And apparently he, he he dressed in um, like a sari and had uh, braids in his hair and his beard, right? So he's like so, this guru type when he's there. Yeah, yeah, and and that made us think of like the Esalen Institute. Oh wow, and, yeah, and that stuff. So then it's like because I don't think I, I don't think those guys were necessarily doing nefarious things. Right, I think I'd have been trying to contact stuff, right? Sure, um, but. You know, at the same time, remember all of these magical groups and these magical orders are here at the same time, and so some of the workers could have been involved with those groups, you know, and right. and and, may, and maybe they did know about these savants, and maybe these savants were in contact or inhabited by some, you know, alien for all intents and purposes, alien intelligences that maybe had good intentions that were trying to, to, to call and, and maybe these people were studying it. Maybe the director and the guys that all got fired, you know, because of the scandal, maybe they were trying to, to, um, to understand. Right. But I think we, we determined that the last reference to the savants was, I think 1982. Okay. Dan's, Dan's experience happened in 79. Gotcha. So we know it, at least from 1973 to, I think '82 is the last time we hear about them in a newspaper article that there was one cottage that were ultra high functioning. So I don't know what happened oh. after that. And, and again, you know, who knows? I mean, it's it's just another one of those things where it's like, how is this part of <laughs> like how is this another uh, another fast, yeah you know, of the whole thing? Because it's like, is it connected to these other parts? But I don't think it is. But I don't know, man. It, it it's one of the things that's just like a flower that kept opening, right. or, you know, or an, uh, you know, an onion that kept peeling back. That you're like, there's another layer and another layer, right? And and you and you're 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 moved to, you know, your inclination is to connect the things. I mean, you're, it's how the human brain works. You know, you right. you try to construct a story uh, from these things, but. I don't know. I mean, the, the thing that really only connects them is this place. 
for some weird weird reason. Yeah. And any of the any of the uh, past employees ever come out saying anything about uh, any of it? They won't talk about it. Sure. I mean, I've 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 found out who some of the original ones were, but they will not talk about it at right. all. Um, and we're kind of upset. I think that yeah, that, you're that even was looking talked into about. it. Right. Yeah. Man, that that was the thing about the Guterma stuff too. Once I started asking people, you know, no one knew Guterma. No one had ever heard the name. And you know, that's you know, if people aren't familiar with that part of the story, you know, that that was another sort of mind-boggling thing is that you know Pamela. The woman that told us that she was part of the cult. Yes, yes, yes. I remember that's early uh, episode two, maybe. Yeah, three. The, yeah, three, yeah. Three was kind of when it turns darker, you know. <laughs> it is, it is. And, and and that was a big, you know, for me that was one of the the episodes I struggled with just because in terms of, you know, ethically interviewing people and trying to capture the story and their experiences, but it also be respectful of. You know, the fact that she definitely suffered trauma. Sure. Some sort, right. Right. Um, now, some of it does sort of track with this idea of, uh, you know, satanic ritual abuse, you know, like as a as a syndrome kind of thing. You know right. what I mean? That that um, that that something traumatic happened, but then the memories manifested this way. I, you know, I don't know. Something right. definitely happened to her um, now. <laughs> again, you know, you hear that story. There were a few women that had the, that story that, you know, she had told us of another woman um, with almost exactly the same story. But we hear that. That kind of freaked me out, you know, uh, yeah. with all stuff. The intersection with Greg when he comes came down to to um, to interview me for the second season of, of Hellier. Mm-hmm. And I told him these stories, you know. He, he hadn't really told anybody about the Amy emails, and that was the right. first he he reveals to us. Well, the reason we're in town is that some woman has told us there's a cult here, and I, for the most part, dismissed all of that. And here, these outsiders, you know, yeah. that, that were living in Cincinnati, you know, that they were had made this TV show about goblins in Eastern Kentucky, yeah. are telling me that a woman in Somerset. It says that there's a green man cult and uh, the military's involved and there's all this crazy stuff going on. Well, then I'm like, did we get involved in something we absolutely should not have st- stuck our noses in, you know? And um, that made me return to, you know, Kyle and I and Darian, uh, the other producers were like, well, we need to talk to Pamela again now that we've heard this. Yeah, you know? definitely. And and that's when we asked her. We we were like, you know, where 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 was all of this happening? Yeah. And she was the Mount Victory Mine. And right, was, there are no mines here in Pulaski County. You know, this is Central Kentucky. It's not Eastern Kentucky. Right. But sure enough, there we found. Once we started looking for the Mount Victory Coal, you know, put the coal you know company in there, Mount Victory Coal Mine. You, you the first things you see on Google are. These articles in the New York Times uh, referencing a man named Alexander Guterma that the New York Times, he, they refer to him, and all the newspapers at the time referred to him as Mr. X because no one knew where he was from. He shows up in 1951 saying that coming from the Philippines, mm-hmm. uh, 
saying that he ran a casino there and and no one knows if he's Russian, you know, they don't know if he's German, but he shows up in 51 and within like six months becomes one of the richest men in America. And by 59, he had uh, committed uh, the largest stock fraud in U.S. history. And he at one point was the CEO of 28 corporations. He held the record. Um, he used one of the corporations, the Mutual Broadcasting uh, Corporation, to try to overthrow the Dominican Republic with, oh uh, di- yeah, right, dictator Trujillo. Right. And then he also has connections to um, the JFK assassination. He's named in the gemstone file as an associate of DeMore and Schultz. Funny enough, too, he owned, um, he was one of the owners of the Desert Inn uh, in Las Vegas, which was the first place that uh, Frank Sinatra ever played, ever so sang. He had the mob connections. Yeah, yeah. And then wasn't, wasn't he thought of to possibly be one of the three hobos as well? That, the, the, people have thrown that out. You know, right. Like he was possibly – he does have uh, – if you've looked at any photos of him, he has that uh, – he has a weird look. You know, yeah. He looks like a villain to me. And uh, Yeah, he really I, does, yeah. He, I mean, he's just it's, – it's, it's uncanny. But, but, but so – there's an idea too amongst researchers online that um, that he's possibly a German intelligence agent, a Nazi intelligence agent. Oh yes, agent. I remember that. Uh, yes. Yeah, because uh, there was a group called the Galen Organization. You know, everybody knows about Project Paperclip. Sure. Just brought over, but most people don't know that there was also um, the Galen Org, and they brought uh, Nazi intelligence agents to the U.S. and you know, the fact that he doesn't have a past, he was arrested by OSS in Honolulu right before um, Pearl Harbor working in a, a radio repair shop. And a lot of the Abware, German Abware agents, were caught working in radio repair um, uh, places. And what uh, year was that? Oh, it was, it was like 43 or 44. Um, and again, all... After we're done, I'll tell you why I'm asking that. Because I, I have a couple of weird connections that... I'm intrigued. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, Just for the listener, I, I have an odd grandfather. Now, he hmm. was gone before... Well, he was a great-grandfather. Uh, and he was gone, of course, before I was old enough to really know him too well. But, again, German... Um, and uh, worked at a radio repair shop, and yeah, it's some weird, weird connections with there on both sides of my family from both my, uh, Welsh miners coming over and going to Kentucky, as well as being directly related to Daniel Boone. But yeah, we'll talk about that afterwards. Cause I'm the boring part. This is the, <laughs> this is the good That's stuff, man. That's fascinating. I can't wait to hear that. Yeah, uh, and I I met E. Howard Hunt as well, which is a whole nother. No way, story. really? Yeah, yeah. I I was living down in the Keys, uh, in Key West, and my friends, uh, at my friend's dad's, and he said to us one night, he's like, "Hey, I'm going over to my friend Howard's. Come over, but there's a couple things you guys need to know. We don't, we don't bring up Kennedy. We don't bring up the Kennedy assassination, which is weird off the top because you know here we're <laughs> two like 21 year old kids. We're like, I, I'll, okay, I'll do my best." Right. <laughs> you know, and he's like, and don't don't look at his ears. And I never thought about that. You know, it just never 
okay, he's weird, all right, whatever, until I, I saw pictures, and for the longest time, I was like, God, he really looks like E. Howard Hunt. I'm like, it can't be. Then what? recently, when The Irishman came out, there's a whole segment where De Niro's character takes the truck down, and he has to meet someone, and they're like, yeah, don't, don't look at his ears, don't, don't talk about his ears, don't mention his ears. And it was weird. And then, you know, eventually talking with my friend's dad more recently, you know, before he, before he passed and he was like, yeah, it's, it's E. Howard Hunt, but you know, we didn't, we don't put that out there. That's so weird. Dude. So bizarre. Oh, God. <laughs> That's why so the, <laughs> the deeper I would get into, into your podcast, into Penny Royal, the weirder and weirder connections I would find. You know, I've been obsessed with Pan since I was a little kid. Collect cicada things, anything carved into cicadas, and I really, just, yeah. Did yeah. you know? The, did you know the correlation between Pan and cicadas? Not at all. Oh, that's interesting. Not at all. And I, I was an archaeologist for twenty years. Really? Yeah, doing mainly uh, burial excavations. So but, you know um, about the Adina and the Hopewell. And the Hopewell and the whole Mississippi culture and the possible idea that they were Mesoamerican transfers coming up, whether Aztec or even, you know, as far yeah. back as maybe Almec. Well, um, that's, the, that's the thing about those, um, the uh, cygnets, and I said ingot earlier, yeah. the cygnets uh, that they had, they were shell. Which meant they had to yeah. have come from the Gulf. Had you know? to have. And then yeah. you think of rituals in caves and the dead being moved to cave, caves. This is something the Mayans did. You know, they would have the, uh, oh, I've, I always forget the name of it, the large holes and with the water in them that they would have oh, rituals at. The blue holes, the blue. Yeah, yeah, and I can't. Or not blue Chinotes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something yeah. like that. So it's just it's weird. The Mesoamerican connection is weird, and then you, then you have Gatama and connections to Kennedy, CIA, and it's like, what is going on? Man, so, something too, you know, <laughs> that's so crazy about the. I just can't believe you got the Kennedy connection too. Yeah, that's really strange. Yeah, it's Man, fascinating. That must have really flipped you out when you were listening to this. Yeah. Cause it, it, <laughs> You know, uh, Rogan sent me a message, and he's just like, yeah, he's like, uh, lots of talk about pan and cicadas. I'm like, hey, wait, what? <laughs> there's, a, there's what? And uh, it just sucked me in more. And it's just, what? it's all here. And then I don't I don't want to jump ahead of where we are. But uh, Gautama. Do you, do you know the, the, the bar that, that, that we, you know, the stu- my studio where we made this, is above a, a brewery that's called Jarfly, which is the Jarfly, yes. You know, and it's like this whole thing yeah. was from the beginning before we even knew what we were that we were even investigating this stuff or that Pan would become a part of it. We were above a bar that's named after the cicada. The cicada, you know? yeah. Which symbol of the cult of Pan? You know. Yeah, they were everywhere. I mean, I, I cicadas have played such a weird kind of always their role. I mean, like, yes, of course they're there every year they come in, but it's just like, I was always the kid collecting the little shell guys. And I even have some, uh, early Chinese Jade of some cicadas. 
and it's just I don't know. Always been fascinated by them, yet slightly creeped out. But <laughs> same with Pan, you know. Wow, man, that is wild. Yeah. If you're if you come down here ever to to check out the place, I'll introduce you to Dan because you'll you'll definitely yeah, be blown off the Pan. Buddy lives yeah. in Crossville, in Tennessee, and I think that's only a couple hours from Somerset. Yeah. So that can definitely happen. But yeah, so so Gotarma, so he's, <laughs> I believe he was also the uh, Donald Sutherland character in JFK, alluded oh. to actually being Gotama. No way, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, and wow. that he was actually brought in and interviewed and was in court uh, for that whole trial. I can't think of the, the lawyer's name from JFK, but... Uh, Cohen was... The... Yeah, yeah. Oh, and connections to Cohen, Cohen to Trump, and it's just yeah, yeah. That's the and see the the Guterma also owned part of Resorts International yes. in Florida, and that was the first casino that Donald Trump ever bought and ran. And right. It was, it was just so weird, man. There were so yeah. many weird connections to that started to emerge about that. But but so you know, Guterma. We we look this up. We find out. That Guterma in 19, he's done all these things, right? In 1975, he moves his entire financial empire to Somerset, Kentucky to buy this Mount Victory coal mine. And he buys it from this infamous attorney that they wrote a book about called Dark and Bloody Ground. Yes. Whole story in and of itself, uh, Lester Burns Jr., right? Right. It, we find and that was a weird thing too. It's like we find the mine, then we then we see that Lester Burns was the one that owned it, and he su- sold it. And it's what the New York Times article says: sold it to Alexander Guterma for fifteen million dollars, right? And it doesn't produ- it didn't produce any coal, I don't think. No, and, I don't think so. And, and so it's like, well, why did he? You know, why did he buy that? Then we find out later, and this was one of those parts of the story where I was like. Is reality shifting, you know, because right. once once we found out about Guterma, I mean, we dug deep, you know, and, and Darian and I do tons of data mining uh, work, and, 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 and so we're good with data. And I remember th- saying to him, "There's no, we've found everything we can find on Guterma, right, that we can access, and we just need to, to move on. And it was like that night he made, messaged me and was like, dude, uh, Lester Burns' business partner, was Vice President Spiro acting? I'm like, what? <laughs> How did we not come across that? You know, and and then I look, and there's hundreds of articles. He was he almost went to jail over by owning the mine, right? right. And it's like, and he raised the money to buy the mine with and go in with with Lester Burns while he was on the campaign trail for Richard Nixon, <laughs> and and he used money from. Like the, there's an article that references that he used money from Saudi Arabia and Japan, oh. and that they raised and bought this mine with Lester Burns, and then they sold it to a guy that's referred to as Mister X, right. and that's where this woman who says she was in a cult says there's an international group of powerful people flying into Somerset and practicing these rituals and doing magic. At this mine owned by a guy named Mr. X, you know, and I was like, "This is incredible!" But how and, and no, I, like how how could you not have heard about 
for one thing, Gautama, having done all these things, how how had anyone familiar with U.S. history not known about this guy? And then uh, when I ask people here in town, no one remembers him. No one does. Yeah. But when I finally did find people that remembered him, no one would talk to me about it. Right. And that was strange. You know, it was another weird part of this. But, you know, and then also two years after he was here from 1975, 1977, he's flying from Boca Raton to um, uh, Brooklyn or I'm sorry, to uh, Madison Square Gardens in New York to go to the circus with his family. Right. And, and he like diverts the plane stops in Somerset for a few hours for some weird reason, do some weird business. And then as he's flying out of Somerset to New York, they crash in Brooklyn, kills his entire family and him. One son survives. Then he dies in a plane crash eight years later, you know? And, and there are suggestions that he was assassinated by someone in the U S government. Now, you know, there's also a news article that, um, his crash was a classic, uh, failure of the pilot, you know, and there's this big article, sure. and, you know, about it. And it seems like a, I don't know. It's just so weird. Or it's was like, it a way to just get them out of there and he can restart somewhere else as someone else? And, right. You know, because the, the plane was owned by Victory, I believe. Yeah, it was owned by the, yeah, it was owned yeah. by the company, you know? And yeah, the, the whole thing just is, is strange, but it's like, what drew him here? What drew, Spiro Place and Spiro Agnew, right? You know, it's like what what is it that caused that stuff to to happen? And and this isn't out yet. This is going to be in the second season. Um, but I, I found just recently uh, someone pointed out to me that I needed to look at a guy named Charles Hayes, and it turns out that uh, have you ever heard of Danny Casalero and the mm-hmm. Octopus? You know that yeah. whole story. Um, that's connected to Somerset. Through a CIA operative, who who supposedly, it's it's dude, it's so nuts. If anybody just looks up Charles Hayes and um, you know Danny Castellaro or or the Fifth Column, you're gonna find this right. rat hole. And and it's like um, a bunch of X Files episodes are based on this yeah. guy. And he's here. Here's this other CIA agent who is right. connected to this famous other conspiracy, and he's here. And it's like what. What is it that's drawing these people to right. this? And what does Mitch McConnell know? Dude, there's a whole after we get off the uh, yeah yeah. This I'll tell you something too that that connects him to this in a weird uh, way. I, I I figured it had to. <laughs> right. I mean, he, I mean, he he looks like a goblin. So I mean, <laughs> but yeah, I figured he has to. He's been there too long, and I would assume he'd be the the connection to DC. You know. But man, and think you know, you know, on top of that too, how many towns have had their sheriff assassinated by you know at a fish fry, you know, when he's putting two, you know, that that figure of you know Sammy Catron, you know, that that, that this guy that's this like king like messianic figure here in town that can do no wrong that flies a helicopter instead of a drives a patrol car, he has a helicopter, you know, yeah. and he's landing in people's yards and shit, you know, no, that guy. I'm sorry. I, was he the uh, connected then to one of the murders? Wasn't there like a mayor and a sheriff? Yeah. Well, so they always told the story that that the rumor, the cult rumor, that was always that um, 
uh, everybody in power was connected to it. You know, oh, the sure. mayor, you know, that was always repeated, the sheriff, you know, doctors and lawyers. What I found out was that the story that was being told was actually even the murders that were that were first told to me. It's a blend of three different murders. That gotcha. Happened. And and so it is that really was sort of like you start looking at the folklore and you realize people have lumped a lot of this stuff together, you know, and, and some of it was the bluegrass conspiracy stuff. Right. And then, you know, at the same time, Lexington, you know, Sally Denton, a famous journalist wrote about that. And so there's a lot of overlap that kind of emerged out of that. But, you know, again, I don't think that, that definitely, definitely human trafficking happens here. Definitely. There's a major drug trade nexus that was happening here especially sure. that so I, I think that explains a lot of the murders and the disappearances and i think it worked in the favor of the people you know that were doing those things that people thought there was a cult that people thought there was something weird going on that would maybe keep them away you know so almost that, like the the scooby-doo trope you yes. know you know, where it's just like, all right, so this is all a giant Epstein conspiracy, but to uh, keep people out of it and looking, what are what are evangelical or Pentecostal people in in Kentucky in that area or whatever they might be? What are they going to be afraid of? Devils and cults and monsters and things like that. So let's let's try and whisper campaign weird stories and new folk tales and keep people from realizing that. You know, maybe maybe it is just human trafficking. But then you then you find out that weren't, weren't the Contras trained somewhere near yeah. Somerset too? Yeah. So just just like I don't know, forty minutes north of us <laughs> is Lake, Lake Herod or, or Her- Herodsburg Lake. Um, and in Sally Denton's book, she talks about that that um, the company which was connected to the CIA, which is a real thing, you know, yeah. uh, um, Andrew Thornton the second. Um, had ties to the CIA gun running, and he had hooked up with um, oh I forget the name of the the brothers off the top of my head, but they were you know uh, South American drug lords, and yeah. they were running drugs up here. But also the company is what they referred to it as. Right. Uh, they were training, uh, you know, Sandinistas, uh, all these these mercenary groups, and then it also mentions that they were training devil worshippers. Um, in in military, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. principles and shit. I remember that, and then then I I remember reading that, or listening to that, and then thinking, well, what if, you know, you're bringing everyone up from Central America, and I'm not sure where Santeria or Santa Muerta, you know, continues or stops or on there, but there could have been any which anyone local would just be like, oh my God, they're worshiping devils. Oh yeah, 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 but, yeah. And, and, and there were a lot of murders at this time. I interviewed um, quite a few people who remember oh, do- lots of dog sacrifices in the area, which which also then brought up this idea of uh, Hecate and yes. the Black worship dogs of Hecate. And, yeah, yeah, and you know it's like and serious. Serious has become a thing in the oh, mystery, right? It's versus not, the dog, uh, the dog star versus was right. Orion, right? Yeah, and so you know. Um, Oh yeah, wow, oh, yeah, this was crazy too, man. Um, if I can remember this correctly, um, oh god, I can't. It's not gonna pop off the top of my head. There's there's research though that connects um, 
um, <laughs> connects this area that the pennyroyal, right, right, is is the plant. Um, God, I'll have to look it up. I'll send it to you afterwards. Yeah, though. yeah. There's, but there's a bunch of stuff where it's like when you look deeper, that Sirius is connected to like pennyroyal, the plant, and quartz and there's just a lot of weird stuff plus the all the james shelby downer stuff with uh yeah. you know the serious rising tapes and and it just keeps popping up there's a place here uh that's called dog slaughter falls hmm. near near cumberland falls Gosh. so there was a there's there's this running sort of undercurrent of dog sacrifice um and and that seems to connect with uh hecate in a weird way yeah you know it's just, man, I'm telling you, once we, we just start digging into this, this stuff in this area and start researching it, it's, it's strange how it just perpetually unfolds in a way. It's like quicksand almost, you know? It's yeah. like once you step into it, it just keeps pulling you deeper and deeper into it. Um, it's just, it's crazy, man. I just, for me, the, the biggest part of the mystery, you know, that, that continues is, is that part of it is that every time I'm like, there's no way there's anything else, you know, like it's <laughs> too much right. you know, to, to, to even try to wrap your mind around. And then you find something like Charles Hayes or, and it, cause it, that makes me think, well, what do I not know? You know, what oh, are those yeah. things that I haven't even found yet that are going to be even more perplexing? Um, I don't know. It's beautiful, though, in a weird way. It's beautiful to sort of, uh, you know, it kind of, ins- that's what I wanted to impart to people with the show was to kind of inspire them to look more at the place that they right. live, you know, because it, it is, weird. it's crazy, man. I mean, you, there is just magic and mystery everywhere. I think people, we get so dragged down in our lives and the, you know, mundanity of it all and the banality of it all that that if you really take a second and look i mean i'm sure people are going to find magic wherever they are you know oh yeah uh, and i years ago i read the carlos castaneda books and there's there's certainly consideration there of whether he may have made them all up or whether uh the person in his book was don juan bates who was a yaki indian shaman but in one of the lessons in one of the books, uh, Don Juan's talking to him about basically the power of place and that that can come down to this minutia of even picking where you sit in a room to find a power spot. And Carlos Castaneda would have to like basically roll around and crawl around this porch until he found that one spot that's like, wait, this is it. And I kept coming back to that as I was listening to your podcast. And I'm just like, yeah, I, if it can if it can happen in that little minutia, and I I, I I could just be neurotic, but I certainly always can find like, oh, this is where I want to sit in the room, you know. And it's not always just like, well, I like I like to be over here, and or I like my back to the wall or something like that. But there's there's a difference, and there's I'm also a big backpacker and hiker. You definitely can feel that out there. You know, I've been in forests that I'm like, this is the greatest place ever. And other forests are like, this is weird. And I can't wait to get the other end and get out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can feel, I mean, there, there definitely is a, there's just spirit of place wherever you are. Yeah. You know, I, 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 uh, I hadn't thought about that with, um, Castaneda and, and the idea of place either. That's fantastic too. You know, yeah. to think of even where, where you are 
exactly in a place um, matters, you know? Oh, it's, oh, yeah. I mean, there's no denying when you look at, at groups like the Adena and the Hopewell that that everything that they did, everything they constructed was with purpose, right? Right. And, and that's for any culture. And even when the the Christians came and tore down, you know, all the pagan altars. Well, they built churches on those places. Oh yeah, you know? and and those were places of power, you know. And oh man, one of the one of the strangest things too that came out of all this that I didn't know about, you know, I started receiving you know a lot of messages from people after the show came out, and uh, one person had told me um, that well, there was there were some some messages about you know aligning myself with Pan and you know, right. Like, pain will be crushed and some things like that, you know, but, um, uh, there was this idea that, uh, P or, um, what's his name? Um, uh, the hanged man card. Right? Oh yes. Yes. Uh, which is St. Peter. Um, these, the, because, uh, Peter was the rock, right? Right. And, um, that he was uh, crucified upside down. Upside down, right. right. At the crossroads, right? Yeah. So, so he declared that uh, Jesus was the Messiah, right, um, at a place called Cesare Filippi, right? I didn't right, know Right, right, okay. But that is Pan's Grotto. Yeah. In, in Israel, in the town of Dan, no less. Of course, Right in the town of Dan, there's the Cesare Filippi, and it was in Pan's Grotto that they were standing when he said, "Upon my, upon this rock, my church will be built." built. Right. Yeah. So, so there's the idea that the that the Christian church was born out of in Pan. Grotto of Pan. Yeah. Which I was like, well, this is crazy. <laughs> right. Like what a what a wild. But who do they pick as the devil? Right. Like this complete embodiment of Pan. But then when you look at um, Gnostic teachings, they thought everything was the opposite, that the the devil was actually the person of wisdom and, and compassion and, you know, and that it was Christ and God and stuff like that that were the, the negative element. Yeah, there was like the Prometheus sort of element. Yeah. The light bringer, you know. Right. Uh, yeah. It's, I mean, it is fascinating, man. That, that's what I'm saying with all this too. Is is that once you once you dig into this this place in particular, um, because I do think that people can find magic and mystery wherever they live. Oh yeah. But I, but I will say that Somerset, I believe now, is probably one of the strangest places in the world. You oh, know, yeah. because all of these things. If uh, only it had an international paranormal museum. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I mean, what are the odds of that? Right. Be? So for the yeah. listeners, uh, he, along with his uh, partner, Kyle Cadell, actually run the uh, International Paranormal Museum because where else would you want it to be but Somerset? Yeah, that's Kyle. Yeah, Kyle runs that. Kyle you know? runs that. Okay. And that's how the, the folks from Hellier actually got in touch with you, right? Through Kyle? Yeah, yeah. through Kyle. Because he, he had the museum and he was going to these conventions and... And he ran into Greg there. And then when Greg came through town, they were, they called him up and they were like, we want to interview for some stories. And then they were like, hey, is there anyone else we should talk to? And that's when he said, you know, that yeah. I was watching all this stuff. But 
Yeah, I mean, the, the, what are the odds? Yeah, exactly. That Kyle's here, and you know, Kyle and I weren't even like we knew each other. And the first interview I did with him was like the longest we had ever really hung out. And yeah. but I, well, I've got to interview this guy because he has the, this paranormal museum, and he's got to have all these stories. And then after that, we just we've become such close friends. And um, you know, he and Darian, I, you know, we're we're every week we work on this stuff together and research, but. It's just interesting how it, how it did bring us together even more, um, at, you know, as a group. And but yeah, that, that he would even have this museum here, yeah. <laughs> and that that was part of the the Hellier connection too of, of crossing paths with them. And and who would have thought that they were researching all this stuff about Pan, right? And that Dan is here. You know, this if if anyone is still a part. Or a devotee of Pan and part of his cult, it's Dan Dutton, you know. Right. It's and like, it's strange that you know when the thing came out too, you know when when Hellier came out the second season, um, you know I, I was working with Dan on, you know we still were finishing up that the Fawn film, right? Um, which a couple of weeks ago we shot some more footage right when all the flowers came out here, and um, and we had someone dressed up as Pan. Uh, running around, which was right. crazy. Um, but when we were, you know, working on that before the the show came out, you know, his experience happened in Elkhorn City. Yeah, I and, was just going to ask you about Elkhorn. That's perfect. Yeah, man, and and, and like Elkhorn City is where Hellier Hellier is a suburb of Elkhorn City, right? And so he he has this experience in two thousand seven, two thousand eight where he was doing a travel log um, for the state of Kentucky, for the tourism department. And so he chose to, to go to Brakes Interstate Park, you know, which is just outside Elkhorn City. And on his way through Whitesburg, he has this weird, like, experience where his car is stolen for a brief time. Right, and then, right. And then returned, right? And it's as if he parked it in the wrong place. But he was like, that began this whole like there was a trickster element or right that like a, the fairies had fucked with him you know and so um so then he um he ends up going on to elkhorn city and has this encounter in this place called the rusty fork this like restaurant and it's owned by this guy named johnny and he encounters all these weird figures and oh, then johnny, has this right. Yeah, he has this this encounter with what he perceives as this archetype of Pan, you know. And when he told me the story originally, before I ever even was working on Penny Royal, I was like, man, we've got to make that into a movie, Dan. That's such an incredible story and such a a formative part of his art and his experience. And the end of the film, which we still have to the finalize, is is going to uh, Elkhorn City to restage his opera, The Fawn, that features Pan, and right. to see if we can invoke that same experience, that same archetype, right? In an artistic way, not in any type of magic way or anything right. like that. And so, I, I the only people that know about that are like Dan and I and a, a couple other people. And I didn't talk to Greg. I didn't know Greg even had anything to do with Pan. And so, when that season comes out, you know, here's here, uh, Greg, the, the episode I was in was the secret Commonwealth, which obviously is a reference to Robert Kirk's, um, 
you know, book on fairies, right? right? Um, but also that was the name of Dan Dutton's four-part opera cycle, oh, The Secret oh. Commonwealth, because, you know, this is Kentucky's, you know, it's the Kentucky Commonwealth, but this, this idea of the secret commonwealth. So that struck me as weird. And then the, and then obviously the whole thing in Somerset and that it involved Pan. And then the finale, they, they basically come from Hellier to Somerset to do a ritual to Pan. And Dan and I were going from Somerset to Elkhorn City, which was really, you know, Hellier. Right. To, to invoke Pan. Pan. So I texted Greg the next day and I'm like, dude. You know, this is insane. Like, and he texted me back and he's like, I'm looking at Dan Dutton on my wall, you know, that, yeah. that, that he couldn't fit him in the series because they didn't know, know how, how he was connected. And right. it's like, what, what are the odds, whether people believe that, you know, Hellier's, you know, so the stuff is real or not, or even if you doubt this story, that's strange. <laughs> right? It is strange. <laughs> And so, I don't know. I mean, it's like, what does that mean? You know, like, how does that affect all this? Because that was the only real intersection with their story was that stuff. And, you know, in, in the cold, you know. But, you know, who knows with any of this what, what it means. But it's just another weird layer, another weird series of events that you want to believe is connected. They're all connected together, you know, but, but they're not. You know, and Elkhorn City's... Uh, a strange place, you know, I mean, it's in, yeah. in breaks interstate park. Um, you know, that's sort of a liminal space. That's why Dan went there, wanted to go there because of the liminality, because, you know, it's a state park that's located between Kentucky and Virginia. Right. You know, it overlaps the two. And, um, they also have the only major feature. Well, it's called the, um, grand Canyon of the South. Right. Okay. But the main feature when you're there, it breaks, is, is are the towers, huh. and and the whole thing with Aleister Crowley, you know that his family lived here in Kentucky. His right. mother's sister uh, lived in Livingston County, Kentucky, and uh, which is connected to the Edadorpa story. If anybody's familiar with that stuff, mm-hmm. you know that's Livingston County is where they get off the river and go find the cave that takes them down into the earth. Right. 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 And so that county is where there's both a story of uh, this this hole down into hell that the devil comes out. The 1860s they had stories of a satyr like you know huh. devil with the human body with horns. It's in newspaper articles in that county. Wow. But but that's where his his family was located. We know that when he was here in the U.S. that he. Went to Mammoth Cave. Those are in his, you know, journals. But there are references that he also went and visited his family there. If he was coming through through Kentucky at this time, when you pull the old records of the railroads and stuff, he would have had to have come through Somerset, probably, right? You would think the connections, you know, between Cincinnati and here, and then going west. But um, we know that he also went south for six weeks after. He was going around and, and trying to get uh, – for one thing, he was parading as an Irish revolutionary. <laughs> of course. And, uh, which is an interesting part of the story. Yeah. Um, but he co- was contacting these Masonic lodges, and there's a group called um, – oh, damn. I can't think uh, – the uh, – oh, I can't think of it. Anyway, there, there, there's a group that, that uh, 
has the sort of the real magic rituals, you know, right. of, of the uh, of the Masons. And he was trying to get to those people, and sure enough, they turned him into the U.S. government as a spy. You know, once he started poking around, um, a guy named Norwood in Louisville okay. um, uh, was um, was the one that turned him in. He was, and he was part of this inner sect of, of Freemasons. So anyway, after that, uh, Crowley went south, and we know he ended up in Atlanta. But it's like I really wonder, man, because when you um, when you look at where he came through Kentucky, right, it, that he might have gone to breaks, right? And, right. and, and, and there are weird connections with, um, uh, the Book of Lies. Sure. Know? And, and, and this idea that, you know, why was it called breaks? You know, and, and right. he did write before he was here. And, and that wasn't even called Breaks Interstate Park at the time. But there was a town called Breaks, hmm. and it was seen as this like the reason it's called that is it's the only area that you could cross, you know, from the Appalachian Mountains going from you know east to west. And yeah. so there's a reference in a PBS um, documentary which always struck me that people going from east to west, uh, you know, settlers uh, that were chasing their manifest destiny. That going through breaks, it was like the the focusing of the Western consciousness or something. Sure, they sure. Talk about that, and I thought, you know, at the time there was a rail line that went through there to get down to Atlanta. You know, well, is it possible that he could have gone through that area? Of course. And and, and if you look at once he left, I think this was uh, 1919 um, and 1920. The fall of 1919, he leaves the country because they're going to arrest him, and he goes to um, to that the island um, where he um, you know had they did a lot of paintings there and, and a lot of magical rituals, and um, one of those paintings that he did there was the moon painting, right? Okay, right. And when you look at that painting, uh, and it's, I think it's called the moon. Um, study for tarot. If you Google that, right? Okay. If you overlay that over top of the state of Kentucky and where West Virginia is in Virginia, it lines up almost exactly. Wow. And and there are two towers, and the place where between the two towers is uh, is Ashland, Kentucky. Okay. Huh. And and the whole thing lines up, and there's two uh, two Anubis figures. Um, and they're holding staves, and one of the staves is over the area of uh, Elkhorn City, and earlier, right? And it's and it's the crossing over to the abyss, um, right? And then the idea of the night side. It's you know, it's one of those things where I'm like, is it possible that it was like retrograde? You know that that sure. He he <laughs> he wrote these things and painted that you know sort of. After you know that was after he was here, and and I'm like, you know, is it Kentucky? I you know, it, it's it's pretty amazing if you if you put it on top of each other, um, you know. And I, I did a presentation, you know, for PhenomenaCon too with the Greg and Dana were really gracious to let me do a presentation, you know, on that, and uh, and I and I showed that. But you know, it, it it it's really it's really fascinating to think about that he could have been through this area that that again. There's this weird current 
that is drawing people, you know, strange people, right, to, to Somerset, like man. moth to a lamp. Yeah, man, it's it's. I don't know. I still, I mean, with even with all the research we've done and, and finding all these things, it's like, what the hell's going on? You know what I mean? Like yeah. we still have an idea, um, but it's you know, and and also, man, after the after the show came out, like two weeks after, these signs popped up here in town on uh, on walls, and there were people saw three three different individuals were witnessed putting these up, huh. and there were signs that said. This town is a cult called the FBI, and and uh, they even I think there were a total total of seven signs that appeared around town. The first one appeared outside of the Jarf lot. It was really weird. We 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 saw weird. that. Um, it's right across from the sheriff's department too. But um, the final thing was that someone had climbed on top of a house that, as you drive into Somerset. And they had spray painted in huge letters on the roof. This town is a cult called the FBI. The cops and lawyers and mayor are involved. Um, uh, beware the uh, cyber terrorists. It was just this crazy, wild stuff, man. And, and and some of the signs mentioned Lester Burns Jr. and like people in the podcast. And so then I was like, huh. did. Because the people that were witnessed putting these up, things things up, I'm almost 100% certain did not listen to the podcast. You know what the, I mean? Like, right, right. Didn't hear it. But did they pick up on some? Because some of them were transients, you know, that were putting up the signs. And it's like, did they somehow pick up on some weird broadcast? You know, I, I don't know. You yeah. Know? Um. I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, that was a that was another one of those strange. Things. And then they stopped. You know, it was just like a little while. Um, and of course, the cops. Well, I was I, I was talking to one of the cops here in town. I was like, you know, did you guys? What you know? What was that? And they're like, oh no, that's this one dude. He's you know he's crazy. You know, and uh, he's always putting he's, stuff up. Like he's that. the QAnon like, guy. <laughs> yeah, know, in the area. But, you know, I'm just like, yeah. I was like, I don't know. It's just strange that he. That he did that, so who knows? But it, yeah. but it has has been weird, and and it continues to be weird. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's really. Uh, I Greg brings up at the end of season two, and I don't want to give away anything on either side there. But he, he just talked about you know here we're trying to to find this weird cult that may exist doing rituals to pan in the cave and really the, the the one weird group doing rituals to pan in a cave that we found were ourselves right were, were we drawn to do that right and it's uh it's it's more than just a, oh it's a town with some weird things going on and it, it spreads for such a long way you know between towns like you said like ashland and elkhorn and somerset and uh hellier and even you know even uh hopkinsville hopkinsville you know? right and then you get into the hopkinsville goblins plus you know of all places you know that's where edgar casey that's from. right right yeah. and edgar and, casey is there and yeah and most people don't realize that the that the hopkinsville goblin case is the only um, UFO case that were, was ever officially investigated 
by the CIA, and the person they sent was a stage magician, John Mahon, who who wrote the manual for the CIA on um, the you know the, the uh, sleight of hand and you know the right. the deception book. It, it was originally you know they were teaching them stage magic agents, and they had sure John that makes Mahon. sense. And John Mulholland is uh, tied to the MK Ultra project, right? Which a lot of the sound, especially the the kind of experiments that seem to be going on with the high functioning people at Oakwood. Oh yeah, well, could see, that be a continuation? I mean, and then you have MK Ultra that, even though it, that seemed the kind of kind of end, but then you have the whole you know men who stare at goats side and remote right. viewing. And you wonder where that operation really is going, and could they have been doing? I mean, if if we were moralist enough to LSD an entire French village without their previous knowledge, and then watch to see how many people died and who did what and what was violent, you know, doing experiments in 1970s inside of a experimental mental facility doesn't seem too far fetched. Right, yeah, and, and you know, just north of here, you know, just over an hour north of here is um, the Lexington facility that was it was called the uh, I think it was called the drug farm that was an official MK Ultra site. It was that it was the place where they administered the most LSD experiments in the entire program. Yeah. Was, just over an hour north of here. And that made us wonder too, was there any overlap between, oh, right. you know, like there aren't a ton of, you know, mental health care, you know, people, psychiatrists in Kentucky. And so what are the odds that some of the people that were working that program didn't end up down here? Right. And, and if you're going to put it in the groundwater, where might you have to go to do that? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, that's just a, that mine up there too also is the Guterma mine pollutes the groundwater here in downtown Somerset. Yeah, uh, of course it does. Rick Spence too uh, was joking with me one time, and he had mentioned he was like, "Well, um, uh, what are the possible? I mean, have you ever thought that that they could have been storing like you know nuclear waste down there? <laughs> oh know? yeah, who knows." <laughs> <laughs> Who it's, knows? It was a scandal in the '70s, though. They were, you know, there were coal companies that were being paid to take, you know, chemical waste. Oh yeah, it and can't just so, be Love Canal, you know. It had to go somewhere after there. Yeah, you know. So it's like, well, could that have been going on? You know, was that why the vice president was involved with this? I, you know, I don't right. know. You know, but it's it, it just so. It's just all. It's it's all so nuts. Yeah, but yeah, the MK Ultra thing. I mean, that was another thing that popped up. And you know, we didn't even yeah. go into too too deep. But it, you can't consider the Oakwood stuff without at least thinking. Not at all. No, because it, it's know. it fits so well, you know. And then of course you're going to have some people disappear here and there, and and then they decide to put a training camp for the Contras there. And then that's connected, you know, to of course the the drug cartels and the monies for guns and ah yeah it's it, it's insane. And then you have the founders. Oh yeah, dude. 
that was a weird. I, I mean, I didn't even know about the founders. You know, I we were talking. Never heard of it. <laughs> Dude, it, that was that was also one of those shocking moments where I'm like, um, you know, because I guess a lot of this stuff is so crazy that when I say well, I don't consider myself a conspiracy theorist, right? Right. But it's like. I don't think of myself as a conspiracy theorist, and I don't think a lot of this stuff is conspiracy. It's just like we keep finding these crazy stories. But um, I remember we were we were interviewing um, a remote viewer from San Francisco for the show who had remote viewed Somerset. And, oh right, I remember that. Yeah, and and they had brought up the founders, and I was like, what? And so literally while we're talking to them, I pull it up on my phone. Everyone in the room is like jumps on their computers and on their phones and everyone sort of looked at each other at the same time because this person was like, you know, look it up. The FBI just released, you know, two months ago, a trove of files. And there it was, man. And they talked about, uh, the fact that they stopped in Berea, Kentucky, 15 from here on their way to Florida, which is where they got caught. And they for sure were connected to the CIA Right. They had they were caught with, you know, kids um, and then it was a cult, a, yeah. a weird cult. And they were in Washington, D.C. as well. And they had computers and international men. You know, there were like dossiers, weird stuff, you know, mm-hmm. passports. And, and the FBI was investigating them and the CIA told them to drop the investigation. It was yeah. a national security matter. And that's true, man. It when is. you look up, it's like, what? And they, just, they just that was it they just nope, nope, make it go away yeah yeah and and there were like s- s- pictures of the children in white robes with a goat head yeah and, and like as the that whole part of the story was weird but but then when you know you, you wouldn't think too much of that until greg interviews the amy girl and what right. is she Bribe are these weird images that sound like you're reading the founder's FBI file. You it, know? it does. And I'm fascinated by Amy and especially the kind of the, the backlash that she has kind of caused because it just seems to be an inordinate amount of people coming out saying, oh, well, she's this or she's that. And she's obviously making it up and it's obviously this. But yet her story, you know has dates and times and places and names and connections. And, you know, if, if, if you're just some, you know, I'm not going to go into her past because I think it's, people can do their own research. Right. But yeah. I, I think it's important that it's just like, well, of course they're going to character assassinate this person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the the other thing that I found out too was, you know, in her story about the um, the cabin that had the elevator, right? right. Um, like cabin in the woods, right? You know, it just again that sounds just totally, totally crazy. Yeah. So, so one weird thing that happened too was after Hellier had come out was that I was at Jarfly downstairs. I was upstairs working in the studio, but I came down to have a beer, and there was a guy sitting there that I know. Um, and he, at the time, he's moved away since. But at the time, he he was an attorney uh, working in the public defender's office. And I remember uh, he was asking me, you know, so what are you working on? And I told him about the podcast and mentioned Hillier, mentioned um, Amy, and said a few things. And he was like, I I was her attorney. I represented her. And I was like, what? And he was like, 
Yeah, and he was like, yeah. So I tell him the whole story from Hellier, and he was like, oh, man. You know, it's just, he starts, we start talking about it, you know, and, and, and definitely it was like that, that cabin that, that they had broken yeah. into, you know. Um, he knew the case, you know, and, and as we're talking, right, the, the bar is filling up with all these people. And, and it's like a Wednesday night, you know, it's usually not a packed night. I'm like, who are all these people, you know? And so, um, he was like, they look like, uh, they work at the detention center in mm. the, the prison. And I'm like, do you know them? And he was like, no, but they just had the, the build. So finally I asked someone, I was like, you know, what's going on? They're like, oh yeah, this is the Pulaski detention center's Christmas party. And that's where she's was located. Right. Wow. And that was weird. You know, I was like, wow, this is strange. But so I, I was telling the story to some neighbors and actually they were the ones that told me about the murders originally. And so I was telling them some, the, the, some of the other stuff that had happened with Penny Royal. And I mentioned the, the Amy story in the cabin with the elevator. And they were like, that's our great uncle's cabin. And I was oh. like, what? And they're like, there is a elevator. It's a medical elevator in the bathroom that they had installed because it used to have stairs and they got right. older and make it down into their cellar. So they had installed this medical lift. Huh? So that cat have that. Yeah. Right? And they remembered playing down in the basement that, that opened up into the cave system. And so, you know, I mean like they tell you that and you're like, well, that's weird. Like, that's a, you know, and, that, and then you look up, is there a green man cult? And it's like, there is a green There green is man. a green man cult. There is an elevator. There is a green man cult. So then it's like, what other parts of her story were? Spot like, on. Yeah. 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 That there was some element of truth in it that, that you're just like, what, what is, what is happening? You know? I don't know. But I, some, some of it too, man, is like, is it retrocausal? You right. Know, is, yeah. Is it hyperstitional? You know, are these like, are these fictions that so many people are focused on that that they're becoming reality in, in a weird way? I mean, like, if you really want to get super right. esoteric about it, you know, um, I don't know. It's but that those were things that that popped out of this story of, of chasing this mystery down that that I was like, I mean, how, you can't get weirder than this. This is like no pure high strangeness and then it, and the trump connection is weird enough but then yeah. when you say that he nominates gina haspel to be director of the cia and where was she born but ashland oh i didn't know that yeah man. oh well i i also found the the when i was greg told me some stuff that uh that they didn't publicize that allowed me to do some research to find the actual cave from the season one, David Christie's cave, right? That was on the property where the oh, spoke. where they where they kind of did the first ritual. Right. Yeah, they heard the well, car honking. Yeah, well, but also like where uh, where he says the goblins came out of the cave. Oh, right? oh, oh, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. I'm with you they, now. Yes. So, so ah. I, I was able to find the exact property that fit that, and it had the mine on it, right? Yeah. And, uh, based on some stuff he told me because they didn't want to publicize it so that people wouldn't like go mess with it. Right. Yeah. They usually blurred it out. I think when they, cause they found that the house was burned down. Right. 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 But, but I, but, but I was able to find it. With, with right. Told. And 
So I checked that mind. As I told him about this too after I found it. He was like, of course, you know. But the mine is was owned by the guy that Trump uh, put in the position of Secretary of the Interior for mining. He, he actually owns that. And he was caught up in all kinds of controversies. But that he personally owned that mine. You know, mm. which I was because there's a great database of mines in eastern Kentucky and throughout Kentucky. Uh, and you can actually click on each individual mine, even dead mines, and see the layout of the mines and what they connected to. It's fascinating, man. Um, it's it's a great uh, if you if you're trying to dig up stuff on you know connections between under you know the subterranean areas and stuff. It's it's pretty fantastic. So what are what is your opinion on uh, on Alan Greenfield? I don't know, man. I mean, I, does you think he's Terry Re- Terry Rice Rest Reist? I think they went with Reist in the end. I I think he probably is, man. Yeah, that's kind of what I was getting from it too. I, I think that that there definitely was probably an element of hoaxing there, you know, and yeah. and he was he was part of that group that was doing the whole oh, Carrie Thornley and the whole Discordianism. And they were right. messing with everybody, sending those false letters. They helped create sort of a conspiracy panic at one point. Um, and Greenfield was part of all that. Plus, you know, he knows, um, was it Gray Barker was messing with John Keel? Yeah. You know, phone calls and, and stuff. So it's like, is there an element of that? Because also now Alan Greenfield is like extremely popular, you know? And, oh, yeah. And, you know, he could publish any book and sell 20,000 copies probably now. Oh, I know. I was going to try and <laughs> send him a message. I'm like, he's not going to come on my show. He probably would, man. I think, think? I think he oh, would, yeah. yeah. I think he would. That'd be um, something. We haven't – I haven't talked to him. Um, but, you know, and this is just – these are just my personal opinions. Yeah. You know? But I definitely I, – I do think that probably that. But, you know, <laughs> that makes things even stranger, though. It does. It's, because you know, to what end? Yeah, and and also, he, even if he tried to mess with them, what ended up happening is stranger than he could have planned. Oh yeah, you know he couldn't have known about us. You know no. he could on the intersection of these stories, and that's why it's like yeah, you know people have thrown out all kinds of crazy theories at me. You know, is it a time traveling AI? <laughs> oh, oh, right, right. You know, like Rocco's Basilisk kind of thing. You yeah. Know, it's, um, but you know, it's it's so it's so personal and specific and intricate, you know, in every way that he that you know Alan Greenfield could have orchestrated it. You know, uh, um, I don't even think a government could, group could have orchestrated it. Right. Yeah. But it's like there is some weird thing going on. Yeah. It's some weird structure to it all, too. You know, like Alan Greenfield couldn't have known these things. But nonetheless, if he did, if he was Terry Rist or whoever was Terry Rist that sent the emails. Sure. Right. Um, that still set in motion a series of events that then intersected with, an, you know what I'm saying? That didn't, yeah. they ended up in Somerset, and just like all of these other weird elements ended up here and i don't know man i, I just don't know Mm-mm. i don't know what to make yeah. about it to me it's one of those like 
it's almost like a natural mystery. Like it is. A, it is. Because I, I, I think there's something, there's a core here. And it's just hard to find where that core is. But it just branches out like this like this octopus, <laughs> you know, from the center of so many tendrils and and splits and branches. And, you know, I, I, I try to imagine someone researching this and having to have one of those board, one of those walls with the string running here and connecting there. It would look like macrame by the time you're done. Yeah, man, it would look maddening, you know. Yeah. <laughs> there, there, I swear there's like this weird... Uh, you know, true detective element to it. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, hundred percent. And and Twin Peaks, and you know, I was always wondering if there was some sort of connection between Lynch and and that area of Kentucky, because Twin Peaks, you know, even though it takes place in the Pacific Northwest, it just so much of it is so very Somerset. Oh, even with like lodges and stuff. Too. Yeah, you know, the our- Black Lodge and Lodge and. And the the magical groups, you know, and and also, you know, for me, a big connection with the Twin Peaks sort of motif when I was working on Penny Royal is that idea that it's the James Shelby Downer stuff. That's really where it comes from is is this idea that beneath the veneer of, you know, hot dogs and football of, you know, suburban America or small town America, there's this dark mystical underbelly, you know? Yeah. And, and it's like that, <laughs> that is happening here in some weird way, you know? Oh, hundred um, percent. Cause it's just, it's just, there's too much and too much of it connects to everything else that there's for it to just be random folk tales or, or or things made up it is you can't have this many interconnectedness this much interconnectedness and it's just i mean you take any one of these elements and you have this long drawn story if you just take um god I forgot forgot his name already uh gotama yeah gotama gotama yeah, yeah. yeah again that's weird the contras that's weird the mob yeah. and how it's connected is weird, and Spiro Agnew is weird, and the, the Kentucky meat shower, for God's sake, is weird enough oh, on its own. And then the anomaly, and and then it goes on from there. And it's this is this is the best thing ever. I, it's just who could ask for anything more? I mean, there, there's sex and there's violence and there's the occult and there's <laughs> goblins and child sacrifice and it's it doesn't seem to lead anywhere but it leads everywhere well that and it doesn't it's wide-ranging too that's the thing like the tendrils go so far out and yeah you know cover i don't even want to put the trump stuff in there you know that's its own its own quagmire yeah yeah i mean like but just all of it i mean there's just so much you know, there was all that stuff with like the Sovereign Order of Saint John and like yeah. wandering bishops, you know. And you're like, right. this is it. <laughs> it's I, like, how do you want to go? You know, drive yourself crazy. And with just where you were in in season one, I can't even imagine where season two to, is going to take us. It's definitely, man. With season two, it 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 broadens the story from. Yeah just kentucky to kind of america you know and 
but and it involves roads, you know, and paths is is really the motif of that. But but the but the biggest part of season two is that I couldn't fit. There was a a, a part of the story that emerged right at the end um, concerning some documents that we received. Right. And like, I just couldn't put it in there, man. There's just, you know what I mean? Like, and, but that's a a big, a big part of the sort of the bedrock of the second season is exploring how those documents turned out to involve us in a weird way. It was like, there was there was a weird reverberation in these documents that were sealed in 2017 that seemed to reflect the story we were looking at, you know, and yeah. had parts of it. And then, but it, and, and just the whole motif of gold, gold certificates, and and I'm telling you, man, when everybody when you when you listen to that part of the story too, and there's some amazing interviews with people about how that all unfolded. It's 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 bizarre as well. It's just another layer that's like. Oh, it is. You know what? What is? <laughs> yeah. <it? laughs> well, let's take a let's take a break here, and then uh, I'm gonna probably break this into two episodes, and then uh, we can talk about you know where do you go from here, and yeah. uh, so uh, we'll be back. So definitely come back for the next episode and uh, hear the second part as we continue talking to Nathan Isaac. Hi, Gaz here. Do you enjoy Bizarro Aficionado and would like to help out the show? No. Don't worry, I'm not asking you for a dime. Just leave a comment, subscribe, or follow the show so you get each episode as it's uploaded. Comments really help the show, and subscriptions help it move up in the ranks among the other 4 million shows in the world. So be a gem, and leave a comment, or like, or follow, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks, everyone. Hey, and we're back. Wow, right? So, a lot of information. So, you know... Take it in, and honestly, if you have not listened to the Penny Royal podcast, get over there and start listening to it. It is amazing, and I frankly like it more than Hellier, but that's just me. But um, thank you for listening to part one. Part two will be out for the next episode, and we'll find out what's going on in, uh, for season two for Nathan and... Uh, Kyle and everyone over at uh, Penny Royal, and uh, make sure you get back here. And like the uh, the ad said, if you want to help out the show, please leave a comment wherever you're getting your podcast. Leave a comment, rate the show if you're if it's available. You know, I even if the comment is like, "Hey man, your show's a drag," leave a comment. I have the quietest fans on earth, so <laughs> please leave a comment if you're on Facebook. Um, or if you're even if you're in a foreign country, if you have access to the U.S. Facebook, then uh, go on there and find the Bizarro Aficionado Facebook page and add yourself, and I'll get you added on there. That's where all the up-to-date information and sharing a lot of articles and things like that that don't make it onto the show, and uh, we'd love to have you over there. But uh, again, thank you for listening to the show, and thank you for listening to part one. 
Go listen to Penny Royal, and I'll see you in the next episode. Stay bizarre, everyone. Got nothing in my wallet, spend on my green on the green quite often, still flawless.